Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always, I am joined by Will Muirden. How's it going tonight, Will? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Big smile on my face today. It's going to be tough to get it off. It's, it's finally happened. Yeah. Ooh. Well, it has finally happened. Yes, of course, you're talking about Bedlam. Uh, we will get to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I'm glad you're up and about because I am kind of exhaling after a big, big weekend of rivalry football, and it was a really fantastic weekend on the most part. I think the games that meant something lived up to the hype in lots of ways, shapes, and forms, or we had some upsets. Um, and the games that didn't mean so much, yeah, I've got my little take on them as well. Um, but there were some teams, as we do look big picture, that probably didn't really show up as their season was coming to an end and they weren't playing in a big rivalry game. They sort of just floated off into the off-season. Um, so some teams didn't show up. I thought some referees didn't really show up either. I think they were like, yeah, we're not really that big on this. Is that pass interference? I don't know. Maybe. Don't really care. Is it this time? Yeah, I'll throw the flag this time. I didn't last time, so I think I will this time. And I also think like some of the TV production crews, I don't think they showed up either. There was times where camera people were watching not the ball carrier, but just like someone who put in a, a very mediocre fake, but they zoomed in on it and they got a good capture of that. And then the camera's scrambling to get back to catch up with uh, the play, especially when they've got like their B teams in. I say B, they're more like D or E teams for some of these networks. And it's like... This is our fifth commentary team, and we've got two cameras at the stadium. That is it. You so if going, anything goes to review, we're fucked. If you are going in on these guys here, and really burying the lead as well, because we've had some some crazy news really come out today uh, that's changing the landscape of college football as we know it. Uh, we will get to all that. We will get to all that. Let's I don't know just why you're hiding it, though. Like I'm, I'm still shocked. I mean, we get to, we get to, like, we used to do this, well, we, we have done it on Sunday afternoons. I used to like doing it on Sunday afternoons. There was a lot of pressure to get ready in not a lot of time, which is hard, um, particularly if you haven't, if you feel like you haven't got around your head around all the games. Also, you and your um, desire, want, penchant for drinking or consuming alcohol in copious volumes on a Saturday night has also hindered our ability to record on a Sunday, Makes it um, hard. which I celebrate and appreciate. So that's fine. It does make it hard. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, getting to Monday, the, the good thing about your alcohol problem is that we actually get to let the dust settle on that particular week. And often we see coaching changes particularly this time of year and we have got a lot of those and we will get to those and i've set myself up here but i'm just gonna just gonna let you hang there for a little bit low-hanging fruit but it's just gonna hang swing in front of your face like what are you what are you doing here mate? Anyway, are, you, are you pumping the sponsors is that what this is are you leaving a spot i'm about to yes i am about to Burnley Brewing are one of our sponsors. I haven't had any tonight. It is a Monday, um, but I do recommend it on any day, actually. Get down to Bur Burnley Brewing. Get that summer ale up here. Um, it'll be a good one as the summer starts to roll around and the borders look like they're going to close again. So I, uh, I probably need a few days off of the Burnleys after a, uh, a heavy session on the Burnleys on Saturday. We are part of the Vault Studio Podcast, so make sure you do hit us up there at Apple or on Apple Podcasts or your pod capture 
software application of choice. Make sure you do leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show as well. It does help us as we get to the end or what is the end of a very long and entertaining uh, season 2021. All right, that's the business. I've given you the business. Let's get to the news and let's dive right in. I'm going to start perhaps not where you thought I was going to so I can blitz through the boring stuff. Dylan Gabriel's in the transfer portal. The US UCF quarterback is going to be moving on. He's not alone. There's going to be a whole bunch of transfers that happened in the offseason, but thought I'd get that out there. The big news of the day, Lincoln Riley, after swearing he wasn't going to LSU, he did not lie to us. However, he has gone and signed with USC. Yeah, the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. Lincoln Riley, one of the top five coaches in all of the country, is heading to the Pac-12. Look at the the ultimate big fish, small small pond player move that this is. I love it. It's fantastic. Oh. So he's dipping out because he doesn't want any part of the SEC. He's been this isn't beaten why out of the Big 12. It. This isn't why he's doing it. It's probably why he's doing it. That's what uh. stacks up for me. I know Kevin Durant is sitting somewhere happily because he's no longer the biggest snake in the state of Oklahoma. It is oh, now Lincoln Listen Riley. to you. Just... <laughs> Speaking of burying, you are just piling it on here. I've got a lot of good stuff here. And uh, as with this move, the recruits are just dropping like flies. So there are numerous five stars, four stars, all coming out saying no longer committing. A lot of them uh, tend to hail from uh, SoCal, which I don't know. There's a crazy little theory going on out there that he knew this was coming a little while back and he's recruited the area and he's bringing them all across with him, which is... Just madness. This is uh, quite shocking to see from an Oklahoma program that has been so consistent for so long, has not had to worry about coaches. Had Bob Stoops, who did such a fantastic job for such a long time, and then was able to appoint the heir in Lincoln Riley, who's come in and won the third most amount of games in his first five seasons at the FBS level. So I think it's Chris Peterson, number one, Jimmo Fisher, number two, and then Lincoln Riley there with 55 wins across a five-year span, which is nuts when you think about it. Yeah, and you did mention Bob Stoops. He's going to redon the... What are they, crimson? They're not crimson. What colour are Oklahoma? I believe it What's is that? crimson and cream as well. Okay. Uh, but he is going to don the crimson again for Oklahoma and coach the bowl game. So welcome back to Bob Stoops. Um, yeah, I guess if you are new to college football, USC probably haven't had the pulling power that they have in the past. They're always a bit of a sleeping giant. They have the ability to be the biggest program out West and go and become nationally relevant overnight. And I believe they've done that with Lincoln Riley uh, now in the conference. You've got someone there to challenge Oregon from a play-calling standpoint, from a facilities and, and tradition standpoint. I mean, they've got all the tools that a lot of coaches are after. We just haven't seen coaches jump to the Pac-12 unless they're West Coast guys um, and certainly not making a team nationally relevant and USC are now that. Yes, and like the, the big thing... Uh, Californian schools is that they haven't been able to hold on to the gun quarterbacks and if there's anything we've seen from Lincoln Riley it is his ability to get the most out of quarterbacks forget Spencer Rattler he seems to be more the aberration here he is a wizard in that space so that certainly is going to help too because there are some superstar kids coming out of that area 
I mean, you, you look at this USC team and it hasn't been the offensive side of the ball over the last few years where there's been concerns. It's very much been defensively. This year, they're ranked last or second last in almost every key category across the Pac-12. So importantly, with this move, he's also bringing across his DC, Alex Grinch as well, and, and a whole heap of his coaching staff are coming across, which is not unusual in this sort of move but really kind of makes things interesting for Oklahoma, who are now forced into having to make a hire in a climate where LSU's still out looking there. Miami might, may or may not be looking. Like, it's, it's not a great time to be on the hunt for a head coach. I think the only thing going for him is that a lot of the teams, a lot of the coaches that were mentioned as kind of up and coming, if they go in that direction... Um, are from kind of Texas-y area. So I feel like that's where the young up-and-coming coaches are at at the moment, which if they want to go that direction, they can. If they're going to go a proven guy, I don't know, maybe you look at the NFL, I guess. Well, there, there I mean, is word. There's talk that they want to go after Cliff Kingsbury, but are they able to do that? Like, he's doing a pretty good job at Arizona. He's he's pretty well settled there. And yes, this Norman gig is big time, but it's, it's an NFL job. So I'd be shocked to see that happen. What do you think the motives are? If you don't think he's trying to duck the SEC and, and kind of wants out there, why do you think he's leaving a program like OU? Because it's not as if there's this, like, USC are on a different tier. Oklahoma live in that same tier. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'm speculating and we possibly will never know this or not for a while, um, what he's getting paid. I mean, um, it, it's going to be in the millions and millions and millions. Um, so that is one aspect of it. Um, maybe he felt that he, I mean, the interesting thing is he is from Texas, born and bred in Lubbock, he where did he go to quarterback te- uh, play? Tech. Was he at Texas Tech? Yeah. He was at Texas Tech, and then grad assistant there, and and sort of has come through that program. So, wouldn't be a surprise to see him move. But I guess if the cash is that good, then why wouldn't you? And there's an opportunity to really make your name somewhere else, and you know maybe be the guy to bring USC back, uh, and and maybe he wants a crack on the West Coast. Different aspect there. Maybe he. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't think it's ducking the SEC because he could have made this move next year or the year after. Like, it's not like he was in a hurry to do that. Um, so if he loved coaching at Oklahoma and then wanted to dip out, he certainly could do that in the future. He hasn't. He's made the move now. So, I mean, money has to be a big reason behind it, I would have thought. Interesting, interesting. And we also got some other big coaching news as well. Billy Napier is now the guy at Florida. So they've gone in a different direction, I suppose, in terms of an up-and-comer in terms of Florida, which is more the traditional route, I guess, because there's it's you don't pinch a Lincoln Riley. That doesn't happen every year. In fact, that hasn't happened since we've been on this podcast, really, has it? Like in terms of a big proven commodity out of school to then jump ship. The other one that was rumored was, you know, LSU potentially jump, like tagging a, a Jimbo Fisher. That yep. could be on par, but that's been put to bed. So it's not really... Correct. I saw some stat. The last Oklahoma head coach to leave for another program by their own choice was in like 1958 or something. It's not, it's yeah. just something that doesn't happen. It's like a Pittsburgh Steelers of college football. Um, yeah, so Billy Napier comes across from Louisiana. 
I don't know. Yes, he's built a really good program there with the Rage and Cajuns. Uh, but the reality is for Florida is this guy probably will be fired in five to six years. <laughs> and that's the nature of coaching at this level. Um, is he a guy that is a program builder in, in the group of five and then struggles to make the leap? Possibly. Or is he going to be a guy that can go and now get the job done at a bigger program? We will see. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a bad hire. I don't have an opinion either way here, I don't think. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one to see play out. So he obviously spent some time under Darbo and Nick Saban as assistants uh, and is known as a tenacious recruiter. So obviously what we've seen, the best programs do the best recruiting. Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, renowned for their recruiting. Dan Mullen, not so much. And and that, I think, is what ultimately led to him, his firing, that they didn't Always. feel they were, they were bringing in the players to be able to compete, where Napier kind of makes his bread and butter in that. He knows the area, knows the region, works his tail off in that space. So if he can make some inroads and make that work for him, who knows? Uh, like, I, I think... They've kind of gone that angle in terms of his coaching chops. I, I'm going to hold my judgment like you on that one. Uh, doing, you know, having three double-digit win seasons at a Louisiana program is is great. Don't get me wrong; that they, that's overachieving from what we would expect from a program like that. But it's a different ball game to be heading into the SEC. Yeah, and you do see this. I don't want to say it's reactionary moves by schools, but it tends to be that. Like. If you fire a coach and they're an offensive guy, you go and get the defensive guy because your defense sucks. Um, if you're a, you know, if you you didn't have a good recruiter, a la Dan Mullen, you go and get the best recruiter you can get because that's where you fit, think you're deficient. The reality is, again, the deficiencies of these coaches and the schools and the whole package means that somewhere along the line they will get found out. Um, but hopefully for Florida's sake, they, he can take them across the top because that's what they need. They need not Florida to compete with Georgia, not Florida to win the East. They need Florida to go and win the SEC because that's something Dan Mullen couldn't do. He could win 10 games in a season. He could win the SEC East, but can Billy Napier be the guy to take him over the top? Yeah, we'll wait and see. Correct. They need to be making playoffs, and that's not what we saw with Mullen. Cutcliffe is out at Duke. Um, an interesting move there for the Duke Blue Devils. A, a really disappointing season for them. Um, he was a bit of a quarterback guru and a really good fit for that Duke program. He was there a long time. He was consistent, but Duke have been on the steady decline over the last couple of years, probably since Daniel Jones left, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know who takes this program. That's a bit of a, an odd one. Herm Edwards locked in for... Uh, Arizona State, so he's got the confirmation to be there. And Dave Clawson gets extended at Wake Forest as well in the ACC. So still plenty to play out here in this coaching carousel, more than perhaps any year we've had. We, we spoke about it a few years back when all these moves were happening, but this one feels just more crazy to have USC, Oklahoma, and LSU come up all in the same, and Florida come up all in the same year, almost unheard of. Indeed, it's wild, wild year, but that's what we've had. It, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been the way that season 2021 has played out for us. All right, let's get, let's get to some games here because this was a big week as well in college football. So we do need to get you to your 360 recap. The Big Ten 
just do rivalries really well. I think they were the shining light. I know you want to rag on the Big Ten about their year, but in terms of rivalries, they were the had the spotlight on them and they delivered, particularly in the snow. I love snow games. I don't want to play in one, but love the snow games in the Big Ten. But Michigan, in the game, get over the top of Ohio State. They do. They get the win there. Harbour finally gets the win that he's has so longed to get after and hasn't been able to achieve. Uh, this team has not won against Ohio State since 2011, so massive for this program. Just bullied him around. Too big up front, too strong, able to run all over this Ohio State defense and earn himself a spot in the Big Ten Championship game in the process. So bigger games ahead still for that program. Minnesota beat Wisconsin. Ouch. Badger life. Ending the Wisconsin's opportunity to play in the Big Ten Championship game. So with that, Iowa get in. And we have Michigan-Iowa Big Ten Championship. Also in the snow, worth a mention because this was an entertaining game. Uh, Michigan State beat Penn State. And Michigan State finished their season at 10-2 and on the year, which is pretty amazing. Now, I was a little bit seedy on the Sunday morning watching this game. But in the snow and Penn State in the all-whites, I could not see them at all. Like, it was... I don't know how they didn't rack up 13 picks in this just this one just by, like, jumping out of the snow. Gotcha! <laughs> I couldn't see them at all. It was crazy. Like, th- we are talking... The field was blanketed in snow. You could not see the ground. Alabama survive a desperate last-minute drive and four overtimes to win the Iron Bowl, coming from the clouds. My goodness. Auburn snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in this one. They had to work as hard as they could to fuck this up and drop it. Like, uh, just poor clock management down the end there. Uh, gave up an, what was a 97-yard touchdown drive to allow it to go to overtime. And then in four overtimes, just couldn't match it with them. And uh, I, I don't know how that happened because they were so good for three quarters defensively in shutting out this Alabama team and not giving up a score. And then... It just proved to be a little too much in what still manages to be an amazing rivalry where it doesn't matter where these two teams are at, craziness ensues. Wake Forest are through in the ACC and that left losses to number two, number 10, number 14 to the likes of the unranked, 15 unranked and 22. And that is our 360 recap. We have covered all the games that you need to worry about. Setting myself up for a joke here. Oh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yes, Will, you finally got your hands on the Bedlam game. Yes, finally did it. And fuck, I was nervous throughout. It was an absolute circus of uh, a game. Like, just mayhem. Bedlam is the right word for it because it was just crazy. Like... Uh, it had absolutely everything: safeties, uh, special team scores, defensive just scores. Put a, just put a pin in it a little bit here. We'll, we'll we'll get to we'll get to all the details of the game. But I guess what does it mean to to be an in-state rival like that, especially one who's had the wood over you for so so long? Means their coach couldn't hack it, and he had to quit and leave. That's that's the importance of this sort of thing. Like he, this opens the door to that. That he's like, I can't even make the Big Twelve Championship game anymore. We're out. You need to be real careful because this Bedlam game is going to continue, and this is one of the most lopsided or the most lopsided rivalry in all of college football. So be careful sure what you wish for. Either. It's not, not Oklahoma A and M. It has to, has to. 
That would be so stupid. What are they doing? So should Texas, Texas A&M or Texas, Nebraska. They should have had to have continued as well, but they didn't. Yeah. I think, but I think like the noise around that and the money making around that perhaps wasn't as considered as what it is now. And I think after seeing that, I think after seeing that mistake, they will look to not make that same mistake. Like you would just leave when Oklahoma go, you would just leave that last weekend for Bedlam, I guess. And you just play a, a conference game a week earlier or whatever. You can play Kansas in week one. Yeah, that we'll can see be a tune-up game. We will see how you that can play plays a tune-up game um, against a conference rival. Um, anyway, let's get to the big recaps. Let's start with the early game. Let's start with the game as we hit Michigan and Ohio State. The Ohio State 31. Again, they run it. Haskins, spread it. Out of bounds at the five. Gus Johnson going off. 27 yards. That's what they're doing here. First down and goal at the four. Touchdown, Wolverines. That touchdown there effectively put the game out of reach as Hassan Haskins iced it with his fifth touchdown. Yes, a high state on that play let them score, but it actually was the drive leading to that score and the drive even prior to that that was the amazing part in this game and that Michigan just completely controlled the line of scrimmage. They ran the ball at will. Jim Harbaugh's tenure, before I go in too deep on the actual game, his tenure at Michigan has been, to me, mired in mediocrity. He came in as being the savior of Big Blue. He came in as a guy who had had success at the NFL level. He had had success at Stanford and turning them into a nationally nationally relevant program. And, I mean, he was on the hot seat at the start of the year. They were going to terminate him. That was going to happen. Instead, they keep him, and now he's having Michigan's best season under his watch. He hasn't beaten Ohio State ever. He's often outcoached and continues to disappoint in big matchups. See Michigan State earlier in the year. But for the first time in one of these games that I have watched that he has been at Michigan, these statements are not true. He coached a fantastic game. We said in the pregame Michigan was going to have to win by getting pressure on the edges and running the ball. They did exactly that. I thought the game plan offensively and the execution was fantastic. I've been really critical of Josh Gaddis, who was the offensive coordinator when Shea Patterson was there. And his play calling and his... Um, his preparation, I suppose, getting that team right has been really, really disappointing. And they were often disjointed. Today, his differentiation in the run game, mixing up the quarterbacks, kept... It didn't look disjointed. It looked fluid and and a team that was providing... That was keeping Ohio State off balance rather than guessing and keeping your own offense uncoordinated and disjointed. So, I mean, I was just... I was just blown away with the difference that this Michigan team showed. And I expected them to have another disappointing outing. But when Ohio State scored with five minutes to go in the game, I thought that Michigan would go into their shell. They would fold like they've done in the past. Instead, they went and dominated the line of scrimmage and they just rolled and rolled and rolled. Hassan Haskins just dragged the team to victory. He went for six yards and then five yards over and over. He was just getting gashing runs on first down that was just destroying the wheel of a high state and i thought they were fantastic they win this one 42 27 they 
did indeed. And I think both you and I thought that Michigan would need everything to go their way and they'd need like a lucky bounce or two for them to get out, like up in this one. It wasn't the case. They were the better team on the day. This wasn't, you know, a crazy play, one or two plays here or there. They owned the line of scrimmage. They were able to push the ball forward consistently on offense. And then also they were giving CJ Stroud all he could handle on the other side of the ball. So they had a whole heap of sacks there. Uh, Like, yeah, Haskins gets all the light, right? Five touchdowns. That's amazing. Incredible effort. Aiden Hutchinson, 15 quarterback pressures. 15. That's the yeah. most that's ever been recorded in a college football game. Like, that is nuts. So, And, and I thought, to be honest, like, I know he's, he's had 13 sacks on the year or whatever. Um, and, but I actually think he's been a little disappointing this year. Five of those sacks were in one game against a, a pretty average opponent. Um, and sort of didn't do, start, do too much through that middle stretch of the Big Ten. And he showed up when they needed him most. And I thought he had a fantastic... I mean, everyone thought he had a fantastic game as, as a neutral supporter. He just jumped off the screen and was just burning the tackles of a high state play after play after play. Absolutely. So I know, like all year we've been talking about this Ohio State defense. We say we've got faith in the offense, but the defense has been improving. But is it any good? Is it able to stop? It couldn't stand up when it needed to today. It was the downfall. They gave up the 42 points to Michigan, which ultimately cost them here. So this is certainly a hit for them. CJ Stroud, who was favorite for the Heisman going into it, where does that leave him? I'm not sure. He's now the the man in the running there. It's still wide open for me. It's like MVP of the conference championship week. Maybe wins the Heisman. Is that how they're going to do it this year? Who that who knows? Oh, I know I know it is, but it's that open. It feels like it's going to be that sort of way where they're just yeah, going like to be impressed if, by if, someone this week. If Bryce Young goes and gets trashed against Georgia this week, you're like, well. I don't know. David Ajabo gets the Heisman, I guess. Um, I do want to mention him because he had a fantastic game as well at his rush end linebacker position. But they asked him to match up at times on uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbert. That was a bad idea, trying to run with him one-on-one. But his ability to pass rush and bend around the edge is, is elite. Um, and he, you know, he's got a fantastic story as well, which is nice. Um, so a really good game by him bringing pressure from the other side, opposite Aiden Hutchinson. And Smith and Jigba had one of the players of the day in all of college oh. football with that catch. Like it was just <laughs> nuts. One-handed around a bloke and being able to pull that in. That's impressive. If you haven't seen it, look it up. You'll be I um I was on him early this year, um so just a little humble brag there. But uh, you know I I'm glad that he's come to the party in the second half of the year because he was a little bit slow out the gates. Um, but as was CJ Stroud, I guess. So, um, I mean, and on top of that, Travian Henderson, we thought they might be able to get him going on the ground, but that didn't happen either. So Michigan go to the Big Ten Championship game, and we've got a Big Ten Championship game that we haven't seen for a long time, and that is somebody from the west and not ohio state so that's awesome um so i mean iowa have been there recently but michigan certainly haven't so uh it's good to see the wolverines get back there i think this is good news for cincinnati but i don't know if it is because michigan showed enough to jump jump themselves straight into the top four so i don't know if this actually helps them or not well, no, I think you know, potentially if Michigan lose now, that'll help them. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. They, they, 
bragging rights the best team in Ohio? <laughs> um, I mean, we'll talk about this in the conference championship game prob- uh, preview show on Wednesday, but Cincinnati, do they have a path here or has it just been muddied even further? No, I think they very much have a path here. I think they're looking okay. good for one of the top three spots. Oh, wow. There you go. Uh, okay, let's get to Old Miss and Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. Corral, looking to run, spins his way in! Yeah, Matt Corral, not a particularly exciting clip there, but that touchdown put the Rebs up 24-6. to They go and win this one 31-21, and that included a bit of a flurry at the end there from Mississippi State. You, you have to be impressed with this old Miss defense. Again, 21 points conceded. Some big drives and yards in this one, don't get me wrong, but they didn't give up scores. And in big spots, they came up bigger than what Mississippi State could produce. Um, this game was 31-13 with five and a half minutes to go. So, you know, Mississippi State score a late touchdown and they have an opportunity to score again, in fact, but they don't do that. They kept Will Rogers to 38 of 58 passing. This is a guy who's been going over 80% completion percentage in the last five weeks. So they made him look human again. Um, Sam Williams did a lot of the damage from his edge rushing position. He's been racking up sacks this year as well as we start diving into the edge rushes today. Um, but they really were the stars of these two games. A lot of missed opportunities for Mississippi State, though. They did have opportunities in this particular matchup to go and not only make this closer, but win the game. And the worst one of these was the three consecutive drop passes from first and goal. Two would have been touchdowns. The third, maybe, maybe not, but you give yourself a chance to score. They then get to fourth and goal. They opt for the field goal and then miss it anyway. Um, The score was 9-3 at the half. And it just... Sorry, 9-6 at the half. And it just... It just felt ugly from there. It... It almost felt out of hand at that point, and uh, it might have been 10-6, um, but it was just disappointing in that space. So you got to think, if they converted that seven-pointer, the game, obviously, they go into the half with the lead, and you know this game is going to be an arm wrestle the rest of the way. It didn't happen, um, and Ole Miss finished second in the SEC West, their first 10-win regular season for the first time in history. Um, so Lane Kiffin's got to be really, really stoked with his team's output this year. And he's actually delivered. It felt like during the middle of the year, um, they had a little rocky patch and, and dropped one. And you thought, oh, maybe this isn't going to happen for Ole Miss. But it did. They've responded. And uh, a great finish to the year for the Rebels. Absolutely. Lane Kiffin's done a fantastic job. For them to get those 10 wins in the SEC West, incredibly difficult. And you've hit the nail on the head. This was Ole Miss' defense in this one. They didn't give yeah. up a touchdown until halfway through the last. That, that is a, a dominant performance from a unit that we do not expect that sort of behavior from. Uh, I think you need to mention Dontario Drummond, a receiver mm-hmm. at Ole Miss, was busy across the day. He ended up with 14 catches uh, and... 130-odd yards. Like Him and Matty Corral have really established a connection uh, that they've grown over the year. Like I'm, I'm happy for this Ole Miss team. I think they now get themselves into probably a New Year's Six, uh, being ranked in the top 10 in an SEC team. It's a pretty good recipe to get yourself in there. So they, they've earned that. 
Uh, and Lane Kiffin will be interesting to see what happens if he sticks around and continues on this or if he can be persuaded to one of these big-time programs that have come open. There is a lot of talk that he's going to be on the move and he sort of feels like this kind of coach that, I don't know, maybe he's never a long time anywhere and that's just sort of the way he is. He just runs his course. Um, but he hasn't been there long. It's only been, what, year two for Lane Kiffin? Yes. Or three, yeah. is it? Two. two? No, it's two, I reckon. Um, but if he stays there, I mean, this Mississippi State, as in the state of Mississippi football, is in good hands. And, and again, I've banged on week in, uh, over the last couple of weeks about how promising Mississippi State season has been as well. So I think if those two guys stay, um, there is an opportunity there for this state to really push in the SEC West. We've got Huipel at uh, Tennessee, right? Correct. Former OU quarterback. Perhaps he could be persuaded home back to OU, leaving the Tennessee job vacant for Lane Kiffin to head back. <laughs> there you go. I think they would set his car <laughs> slash house on fire. I did see Lane Kiffin put a tweet out today um, that he was driving a car. Well, he, he took a photo of a car with Louisiana plates on it. So he is down in the great state of Louisiana. He's such a shit now, stare, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> isn't like, he that just? Is isn't, that is yeah, isn't he just? All right, let's get to it. Let's get to Bedlam. I know Will can't wait. He's jizzing in his little pants. Tom Hutton, the 31-year-old lefty from Australia, second oldest player in college football, kicks it back there, and that punt is muffed, and Oklahoma State falls on it at the five-yard line. Trying to catch the Sooner defense flat-footed, and pushing the punt. Yeah, you go muff punt into a Jalen Warren rushing touchdown that was the difference in this game. A strange first half that really had it all. Oklahoma State defense that felt like they were on top for most of the first half. You had a kick return touchdown. You had some big plays in the Sooner passing game. You had a pick six just before the main break. Um, And then you got into the second half and then things went really batshit crazy. You had fumbled punts on both sides. You had safeties. You had an illegal kick, which is awesome. Um, just weird bits and pieces that got us to a stage where we were 33-31 game, 12 minutes left. How did this one play out, Will? Oh, it was, you're right. It was just nuts. And, and it was crazy all day. And I think what we saw down the stretch was what I've been banging on all year with Jim Knowles' defense adjusting. So that first half, it felt like a bit of a a title, like a heavyweight title fight where they were firing shots and they were kind of returning. And, and it was really good to watch. Like it was a fantastic game where Oklahoma State went down, scored on a drive, and then OU returned serve. And, and like it was some good football plays that they were be, uh, being able to execute to make it happen. It, it was tight, tidy stuff. And then it was crazy and not tidy and just an absolute <laughs> mess. And it felt like to me... The whole third quarter, Oklahoma State were trying as hard as they could to fucking lose this game. Like it was, they got together in a huddle and said, you know what, I think we want to play OU next week in the championship game, not Baylor. So let's see if we can really shit the bed here. And they put that on for a quarter. But the one thing that did shine through was that defense. They did not give up a touchdown uh, on the back half at all. So there was offensive, gave up points. Yeah. There was yep. special teams that gave up points. There was the pick six. <laughs> the, the, like All of that, the defense working against all of that. And I think you got a bit of an appreciation that I watch most weeks about how talented and, and how well drilled this 
unit oh. is. Like they, they like I mean, to blitz, just... they like to get after it. Caleb Williams was quite the like he is a dude that can move and he, there was that many situations where he was able to kind of duck out and get himself some time and it felt like he had forever but they're doing a fantastic job on the back end of sticking with him and that's a really hard thing to do when someone's got like seven to 12 seconds in the backfield trying to run around with someone who just can kind of go wherever they want for that amount of time it's an incredibly difficult job but they did that it was fantastic to see on that defensive side and there was a little bit of Spencer Sanders of old, the pick six, like trying to <laughs> force it into good. some... Re- no, it was, it was bad. It was another one where he's just like, I'm going to laser this one into a window the size of an ear hole, and it didn't work out for him. Uh, so there was a bit of that which is concerning, but defense bailed him out. Uh, they came up big when they needed to, and it was just... It, it was a cracking matchup. I mean, it was really entertaining to watch. I think the nice thing is that Oklahoma State were the better team and they won. Uh, you do see these games where Oklahoma State just go, you know what, we, we struggle to win this game. We struggle to close this out because we just don't know how to beat Oklahoma. We, we don't do it very often. It doesn't matter if the guys in different uniforms change. It's just the fact that we can't beat these guys. And then... You know, like you said, you, you were giving up scores all over the place, just none of them on defense. You just felt like you should have gone on the water boy and just knelt three times and punted the ball away and you would have been okay. But instead, you were deciding to like muff punts and fucking, oh, that was hard to watch. But like you said, defense, amazing. There are teams that play, that, that make plays on defense that play unsound, but they make play. There are teams that play sound defense and make plays as well. And you are the team that plays sound, rock-solid, gap-integral, quality defense. You bring blitz when you want to um, and, and play sticky man defense or zone as well on the back end. And it's it's just really hard to break down. You're getting quick pressure on Caleb Williams, um, even bringing three at the end. Um, I was a little concerned that uh, you were going a little conservative towards the back end. They're giving a lot of cushion uh, only bringing three and struggling to get home. And I thought, oh, you just, you've gone into your shell a little bit. But then he, Jim Knowles, to his credit, came out and then brought like a cat blitz. I was like, okay, so he's, he's still got it. Um, so overall, a really, really entertaining game. I think the better team won. I think Oklahoma State could have been up by heaps more at halftime. Overall, a fantastic win by Oklahoma State. You now get Baylor. So another nervous week for you guys. You feel like you're winning in to the playoff potentially. Um, I don't think you need results to go your way. Only the one loss on the year. You give yourself a chance. Certainly. I think the big question marks become Notre Dame. Uh, floating around with the one loss there. Obviously not an opportunity to play in a championship game. No real statement wins. I feel like the two top 10 wins going into it probably give you enough momentum to happen in there. Uh, You need an Alabama to lose. So if Alabama win, then they're going in with Georgia. Uh, So that's Mm -hmm. two spots filled there. A Michigan win, they're going in. Uh, So then Cincinnati, uh, like a undefeated Cincinnati, probably go in ahead. Uh, so th- there is some stuff that needs to happen there, but I, hey, they, they've just got to win the Big 12 championship game. From what you've seen in that one there, do you think they deserve a spot in the top four this year? Yes. 
Um, I'm concerned about offensively. Like they're clearly a half team or a three quarter team. They, you know, they're going to lean on the defense and, but they're still entertaining. Like, so do, hey, do I'd I say I think the same thing about Georgia? <laughs> well, yeah, but they have a bit more of a running game. Like that was the other thing that I thought you guys struggled with early was getting Jalen Warren going, and you, you know you can't. At least Georgia can run the ball, <laughs> like. Um, and, and you know you you were shutting teams out you gave up 30 what 33 points to Oklahoma and again I know not all on the defense but you're just gonna have to play a cleaner game that are they any are you guys off the pace yeah but everyone is compared to Georgia this year so I'm not too fussed with that I think in a different year when you had undefeated Clemson undefeated Alabama undefeated Ohio State yeah, you're gonna you're not gonna roll with the big dogs in that one. So I think you are a step back, but there's always someone who is. I think Michigan State their first year when they went in were meh. So I don't think you're meh. I think you're okay, but do I think you're gonna if you go in at four? Are you beating Georgia? Like, I'm hoping we can really get in at three and play Cincinnati. Um, I, I might also <laughs> that'd just, be a random matchup. It'd be that'd be a cracking one too because we'd be every chance to win that. What I might do as well is everything after where you said, "Yeah, I think you are." I might just edit that out. So thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm okay, I'm okay with Oklahoma State getting there, but that's a bit of me supporting your fandom. Uh, and I think they're better than Notre Dame. Maybe they are now. I mean, to me, that's a better win than Notre Dame trashing Stanford. Anyway, let's move on. We've got a lot of other games to get to. So let's get to the Big Ten because I think they did have some interesting and entertaining games. Michigan State 30, Penn State 27. Both teams making plays throughout this game. I thought when Sean Clifford connected with Jahan Dots to tie this game up, Penn State would roll from there. Uh, But despite the pick six from their defense, they couldn't get stops when they needed to late in the game. So... Penn State have now dropped five of their last seven, but that was enough to get James Franklin a big extension. If, like, I don't think James Franklin is a good coach. I, I've probably vocalized that already in this, but I can handle a down year, a rebuilding year, but this wasn't supposed to be that. Sean Clifford was supposed to be better. You've got some good running backs. The defense was supposed to be strong, and you're finishing seven and five. Sorry, James Franklin. And If I was a Penn State fan, I'd be really, really disappointed with where they are at financially. On the other side, Michigan State, one of the best seasons they've had in a long time, 10-2, and and beating Michigan in the process. Yeah, fantastic for them. Uh, That 85, was 85? $95 million contract for uh, Mel Tucker has gone through, so he's secured that. 10-win season, enjoy it it while you can. Uh, Penn State, though, you're right, 7-5 and is not a good year, and, and this is super disappointing here. Couldn't get much going on the ground like this was a tough game we talk about the snow like this was heavy snow in this one uh what really did stand out for me was Jahan Dotson he looked good like really yeah, good really in this good. one but they just haven't been able to get him going consistently like and, and perhaps that's fast, part of the coaching like, problem you know like, exactly I think both you and I are down on Sean Clifford he actually had one of his better games in this one statistically but I just he doesn't have that it factor to, to really kind of carry a team here. And their defense isn't good enough uh, for them to rely on that either. So disappointing year for Penn State uh, and continues to be the same. We saw it last year. They were, they were uber disappointed to start the year. So the fact that they're able to kind of not only hold on to Franklin, but look to extend him and, and lock him in longer. I just, just don't, seems I don't understand it. Like... 
Like he should be on the hot seat going into next year. <laughs> Correct. Not, not like a desirable, a desirable candidate for all these other big programs. It's weird. Like he has certainly used that momentum in the coaching carousel to just get himself a payday, and he can just put his feet up, ride his horse into the sunset. At this point, Iowa come from deep to beat Nebraska twenty-eight to twenty-one. Nebraska's final four possessions went a punt block for a touchdown, fumble, safety three and out then punted and then an interception so they had a terrible closeout this allowed Iowa to put on a 19 to 0 run in the final quarter and run all over the top of this hapless Cornhuskers outfit Adrian Martinez didn't play in the game Logan Smothers got the start terrible name and his quarterbacking was um, he did kind of most things right until he didn't and then the wheels fell off completely Iowa then had to sit tight and wait for the Wisconsin result to see if they got into the Big Ten Championship game. So they were sitting home nervous, but things went the Hawkeye Nation way. Uh, for Nebraska to finish this season losing by seven points again, like the Pakistani bookmaker has got to be involved here. This is It's too much. I don't like... How have I not capitalized on this? How have I not just put all my chips in that? Because every week, without fail... Nebraska losing by seven points. It is nuts, the the run that they've had. So to see it play out, and especially like the, the last few drives that you mentioned there, it's oh. a little bit too deliberate for my liking. <laughs> a punt block for a touchdown. Just the punter just really holding on to that ball for way too long. Just oh. booted it into someone. Oh, no. You're making some pretty serious accusations there, though. I am. And come find And why me. Pakistan? Why is it always Pakistan when it comes to bookmakers? Bangladesh um, oh. India? No, well, like, Hansi Cronier was a known cheat, so let's go to South Africans as well. <laughs> okay. Minnesota 23, we just mentioned this game. Wisconsin 13. Uh, Minnesota win back Paul Bunyan's axe, and in doing so, they did eliminate Wisconsin from the Big Ten championship race. Let's start at the end. Minnesota playing, jumping around, and storming the field after this win, which I think was awesome. Yeah, that's that's a boss no, move. Not gonna, not, you, gonna, you don't have a take on that, or? oh, it's a boss move. Like I, I like it. It's mad respect for that. Uh, like completely disrespectful, but it's a bit of fun, and that's what college football is all about. So I don't know that. Minnesota's defense kept the Badgers' rushing attack to just 62 yards. Now they'd been averaging up over 220 a game. They kept them to 62. So what do you need when your running game gets stifled? You need a decent quarterback. That's what you need. But what you got was a 21 of 38 for 171 and an interception. Thanks, Graham Mertz. You've really fucking helped us out there just when we needed you most. Yeah, but the, the picture's not much prettier on the Minnesota side. Tanner Morgan, 10 of 15 for 196 yards, touchdown and interception. 10. 10 of 15. Yep, that's, that's 66 completion percentage. And uh, threw a touchdown. Like that's he's what we need from ten, him. He's completed ten balls on the game. Like my my word. They won the game. Run back. Your, your, your stats don't get examined as closely when you win the have, game. I guess what I'm saying is you haven't given Graham Mertz his chops for his running effort in this one. Three carries, nine yards. Not bad. <laughs> I apologise. I'll make sure I bring in his running game in the future. All right, uh, Purdue 44, Indiana 7. 
Boilermaker up. Mercilessly, Indiana's season comes to an end. Purdue, 8-4, and four, which is a really good season for the Boilermakers. And I've got to take on 8-4 and four teams coming up when we get to the Pac-12. But that is a good finish for a, a team that, you know, 8-4, and four, we'll take that every day of the year. Aiden O'Connell finishes his awesome year going, speaking of good quarterbacking, 26 of 31 for four touchdowns. Uh, so a really good day by him. That's how you play the quarterback position. That's pretty good. Maryland beat Rutgers 40-16, to 16, and that Rutgers sort of promising season fizzled out at the end. Illinois crush Northwestern 47-14. I'm sure you've got some hot Rutgers takes, Will. Yeah, there was a point this year where I was betting on them to win games. That just looks silly now. <laughs> Let's get to the SEC and the Iron Bowl. Alabama 22, Auburn 24 overtimes, but Bama struggled to get anything going offensively. It came together late for them, but how the hell did we end up here, Will, for the Iron Bowl going to overtime for the first time in history? Yeah, it feels crazy that this is the first time it's gone to, to overtime. Just by nature of this game always being as close as it is and as tightly contested, you would have thought you'd seen it before, but apparently not. It took an incredible 97-yard drive like, worked really well by Bryce Young. And maybe this is his Heisman moment, which feels weird because, like, George is the team that they got to knock off. But this is a big game in this state. And he really stood up. He made some really impressive throws uh, on that there. And I was kind of dialed into that. And I didn't catch a lot of the early parts of this game. But then in watching this, I was, I was shocked to see how they weren't able to dominate more across the game because he was just making it look easy on that last piece there. And I was surprised that they weren't able to put up any points at all there. But hey, Nick Saban uh, makes it, finds a way. And, and that's what good coaches do. That's what he was able to do there. What really freaks me out about this one is I've seen multiple videos now of him smiling after this game, even dancing in the rooms. Yeah. And I want to know who is in his skin and what they've done with him and, and what basement he's locked up in because I'm, I'm worried. Well, he, he, he went on that rant earlier in the week, didn't he, about how like the players don't get paid. <coughs> um. They players don't get paid. They do it for the enjoyment. They work really, really hard, and no one feels losses more than them. And it's a game. And you know, if we lose one game, we're held to. Like he went on this big, like um, moral kind of the way we should view sport. And I thought it was interesting that they came out and then really struggled against Auburn. Um, but they did win, and they're through. And he is the master of those kind of spaces, though. Like, yes, he will be happy and smiley in this game now because they won the Auburn Bowl. At the Auburn Bowl, the Iron Bowl, but have no doubt that at training this week he's gonna flog the shit out of them in preparation for Georgia. Like, or or he'll do the reverse of that and somehow like big them up and talk about how good Georgia is, and then he'll put together a game plan that crushes the Bulldogs' hearts. Yes, uh, and I think for that to happen, what we need to see is that Alabama O line to drastically improve because they were really what was holding them back early on in this one. They just seemed out of sync. Uh, Auburn, they've been good this year, don't get me wrong. They've been a decent team, but they oh, made they them look... They've won their games. I mean, they're a 6-6 six six team. games too. They I have. mean, they did this with a backup quarterback as well, just to... True, keep true, true, true. But it was let's that... Look, deep, let's, are we, we going to get buried here in the Iron Bowl? No, you can uh, keep going. Well, I was just going to say, if Alabama's keep O-line going. shows up no, again no, like this, there's going to be trouble. You should talk. Big keep, trouble. Keep saying things. No, no, you talk. 
Go on. Uh, I think I think it's funny. Anyway, LSU twenty seven beat Texas A and M twenty four. Georgia crush Georgia Tech and get their second shutout in two weeks. Is that right? Forty five to nothing. Uh, sorry, check that. Georgia didn't get a shutout, but Tech gets shut out for the second game in two weeks. So they've got a grand total of zero points. Uh, Florida, 24. Florida State, 21. Florida get bowl eligible and the Seminoles go home. The SEC get the better of the ACC today. Only just, though. Um, the Clemson-South Carolina game gets a little bit sideways on the Gamecocks. Arkansas, 34. Missouri, 17. Kentucky smoke Louisville, 52-21. to Mark Stoops' name continues to come up for coaching jobs. And Tennessee crush Vandy, 45-21. to Anything on all of those? I'm sure you do. I mean, yeah, but we don't need to go in too deep. I guess if I'm the SEC or the ACC, I'm probably not picking Florida or Florida State as my flagship school that I'm putting up for that contest of head-to-headness. Yeah. Um, wow. Anyway. They, they get there. Uh, Florida gets a move on. And, and again, I sort of mentioned this in the pregame. Florida State have got their coach. They're now two years in a row not going to a bowl game. Florida are going to a bowl game again in their one of their worst years in a, a long time. And they get a new coach as well. So they've got hope and a bowl game. Florida State have got to go home early and maybe stuck with a coach that is a little bit questionable going into year three for Mike Norvell. I do have a couple of uh, stickers that I can hand out here. So there's one, uh, bad luck next year. So only two SEC teams are not bowl eligible this year. That is Vanderbilt and Texas. So those two teams there. And then also... You are a dickhead. No, that's fair. Uh, the SEC would be looking for receipts. You can't tell me that the Lincoln Riley move has not got them scrambling through, saying, "Surely I've got these receipts. I don't. I don't. Want, I don't want either of them. They're no good." Um, the other, the other one that They're I want to give out too much money. Yep. Onside kicks. So last week we saw the perfectly executed, uh, accidental like onside kick. accidental onside kick. Now we had the worst onside kick I think I've ever seen. It was fantastic. Florida State, uh, he's he's tried to just touch the top of the ball and he's literally just clipped it with like one stud and it's just rolled forward off the tee. It was enough to come off the tee. That's it, (laughs) yeah. yeah. So it still counts. But uh, yeah, that was was good fun. It wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't. Uh, Like hitting finite targets in big pressure situations. Tough to do. Let's head to the Pac-12 because there were some interesting games here as well. Oregon 38, Oregon State 29. Uh, the Beavers scored 20 points in the last to make this one look more competitive than it was. Chance Nolan was getting harassed from the start of the game in this one by that Ducks defensive line and they won the line of scrimmage, no doubt about it. Anthony Brown was okay today. Didn't make too many mistakes in the Ducks roll into the Pac-12 championship game. They do. They'll take a lot of confidence from that one. They probably let Oregon State kind of muck around with do. them towards the back end That's there, but do. but uh, they really blew it out early and were in total control all day. Apple Cup, Washington State, <laughs> crush your Huskies. 40-13. to 13. Complete domination by the Cougars. Max Borgie scores two touchdowns to set the Washington State all-time record. Um, they picked Sam Hewitt off four times in a complete and utter beatdown. Yeah, Washington are a mess. I wonder who's going to coach there. Who would want to? Like, that's, that's not good. Like, it's a it's a good program. It's, it's like a great program, to, but they've You get to take a boat to the game, year. I guess. Like, yeah, they have been, but... They've always been like, yeah, I don't think they're that far off. Like, you get the right coach in there. I know it's a bit of an odd one, Pac-12, Washington, all that kind of stuff. But 
Anyway, uh, Utah beat Colorado 28-13. Notre Dame destroys Stanford 45-14. And they are quietly 11-1. and Here is my grumble that I'm going to have, like I was going to say earlier, and you're going to have a rebuttal to this, but... They don't have a realistic shot at the playoff, if you ask me. I don't think Notre Dame get in. Uh, just the way the hype train has been going for college football and certain teams this year, hype and momentum, like the Heisman, plays a role in the playoff aspect. And I don't think Notre Dame have got that, mainly because their schedule has been lacking, particularly down the stretch here. But if they don't get in... That should be an entertaining game to watch. Whoever they get in their bowl game and an 11-1 Notre Dame should be an entertaining game to watch. It's not going to be. People aren't really going to be watching it, but 11-1's a good season. That's why I don't believe in the playoff. Well, there's, there's an answer to this. If they're in the ACC yep. this year and they're an 11-1 ACC champ, they're in. They, they go in before ahead of Cincinnati. So Agree. they, they can enjoy that. all their fucking independence they want. I mean, there's still a chance that they do because they're a much bigger name. There's more money associated with Notre Dame, much bigger than an Oklahoma State. I could see them getting in over them and it would just crush me. Mm. Um, so I've got some more here, but there's an ant that is like, or a bug that is like crawling around in front of me. And it did have wings. Jeez, oh, it just attacked me. That one still does have wings, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, I saw <laughs> yeah, it that. did. There, what is it? Like it knows I'm talking about it, but no, this one has, where the fuck? Um, this one has actually dropped its wings. So I feel like, and now it's stuck on the wall and it's like, it's man, I really should have kept Sounds my wings. Like <laughs> should have kept my wings on for longer, um, but it hasn't. Now it's just doing laps on the wall. And Do they get to choose get when these bad boys come off? Is that how it I works? don't know. I don't think so. Like it did coat. have wings at the start of the episode and now it doesn't have wings and now it's like... It doesn't feel like a coat one. sort of situation. Anyways, we are no. getting distracted anyway. here. Let's keep going. Yeah, we are. Sorry. Uh, BYU moved to an irrelevant 10-2. and two. Speaking of teams that are also irrelevant that should be in good bowl games, 10-2 and two, BYU. They beat USC 35-31 in a really, really good game to watch. But they are... Not important this year. Another team that's not important. Arizona State, they beat Arizona 38-15, to but they're an irrelevant 8-4. and four. Another, I was, was talking about 8-4. and four. Purdue, 8-4. and four. Should be recognized. That's a good year. Arizona State, 8-4. and four. Should be recognized. That's a good year. UCLA, they cruised to an irrelevant 8-4 and four by beating Cow 42-14. I want more interesting games at the end of the year, and if we didn't have the playoff, I think those games would be more viewable. Why? Because they hold val. Oh, there's another one. It's about to drop its wings. God damn it! It's happening again. Can you stop, you fucking crazies? Anyway, um, these bugs are just moving in here, and now they're just getting together. I think they're going to start mating. <laughs> I don't need this. I'm just ending up with like. Stop wings watching bug porn ever. and get back to sorry. your point. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I, I just like. I want that yes you're going to have the national championship game but like there's an opportunity here for an Arizona State to get matched up against uh, I don't know an interesting team that that could be in a big bowl for them but I think the reality is for for an Arizona State UCLA that they're like yeah we made eight and four yes it's okay but we don't need to play this bowl game because it's not in the national championship picture so you're gonna have like I just uh, like a Arizona State v Kansas State doesn't excite me any way you want to cut up, mate. So, let's oh, just... yeah, but yeah. that is what it is. BYU though, good team this year. Who were their two losses? Uh, couldn't tell you. You would know. Baylor, Boise State. 
two programs that both fell afoul of the Cowboys as well. So there you go. You say uh, uh, we got more games, or can I give out my last sticker? No, we've got. Yeah, no, in the Pac-12, that is it. We've just got the ACC and the rest of the Big 12 to go. Fuck me, we are dragging the chain here. Yes. Go. No? It's, it's, no, you go, mate. You go. Yeah, I've got a sticker for that. We're tired at the end of the year as well. We are tired as well. NC State, 34, UNC, 30. Grayson Atkins, did you watch the end of this? I did not. Grayson Atkins hits a 50-yarder to put UNC up 30 to 21 with two minutes and 12 seconds left. That's game over. That is game over. On the next drive, second and 18. Second and 18. Amika Amezi scores a 64-yard touchdown from Devin Leary. They then recover the onside kick, and then Amezi wins a jump ball a few plays later, and lots of penalties, actually. It felt like there was a penalty every second play. A crazy game, a crazy finish. Um, and that did at that stage keep NC State alive in the ACC playoff race, um, but it wouldn't end up eventuating for them. As Wake Forest, 41, beats BC, 10. They didn't miss their opportunity to qualify for the ACC championship game. A solid all-round performance by Sam Hartman. Yeah, give me a Arizona State Wake. That'd be cool. That would be U- cool. See, UCLA I would watch. Wake, yeah. I like that. Yeah, don't hate that. And then Boilermaker versus the other one. Mm, Boilermaker v Arizona State I would watch those games but a lot of people won't because they'll be irrelevant and then Sam Hartman will declare and not play in the game so then I will have less likely to watch but anyway uh, Clemson 30 South Carolina 0 I put this one in the ACC could have gone in the SEC but the ACC team did win I do have some music here for my boy though DJU maybe coming to the club 9 for 19 99 yards and an interception that's that ain't right, paying the bills, big fella. You've had a disappointing year, and when your team shuts out South Carolina, you feel like you could contribute a little bit more. You, you would um, hope so. 30 to nothing, and you put up that sort of stat line. He has been probably one of the biggest disappointments on the year in all of He was my football. pre-season like, QB to watch. That yeah. is not the case. Oh, God, well, there's another one. <laughs> there's another one. Stay on target. Uh, Miami... Miami 47, Duke 10. Duke have had some good teams in the past. We've spoken about this, but this is not one of them. Virginia Tech 29, Virginia 24. The Cavs still can't win the Commonwealth Cup. I don't know why, but they just can't. Pitt 31, Syracuse 17. You will not have any great takes on that. So let's get to the Big 12. Baylor beat Texas Tech 27-24. Tech missed 53-yard field goal as time expired. Baylor did everything they could to get in the Pac-12 championship, and now they had to wait out Bedlam. They got the result thereafter. Now they go in uh, first year for Dave Aranda. Really uh, exciting time for the Baylor Bears. Man, I thought I was pissed during that third quarter about the the ineptitude of the play that was being turned out by the Cowboys. Imagine being a Baylor fan or a Baylor player watching that shit. Oof, that would have been rough. Yeah, rough. Texas beat K-State 22-17. to Apparently, Texas just have running backs growing on trees down there. Roshan Johnson comes in to replace Bijan Robinson. He goes for 179 yards and a touch. Uh, but Texas now done for the year. Good pieces on the offense particularly, but Sarka's got a lot of work to do. Absolutely he does, especially moving into the SEC. you got to hang that one up. They're not going next year, so let's just put that... Let's just put a pin in that for the moment. Iowa State, 48. TCU, 14. Not much to report here except your boy, Brees Hall. Probably going to get a sticker for his 242 yards and four TDs, I would have thought. Yeah, it's not a bad day, that. That's West Virginia the, holds on. I was going to say the end to, to a really good career there, career, I guess. Yeah, you know, it is too. Yep. 
I apologise for interrupting you, so I'm trying to blitz through here. As West Virginia hold on to beat a stubborn Kansas, 34-28. Kansas have been in a lot of games, a lot more than you would expect from a Kansas program. So maybe they could be the next team to turn my, things around. My bold prediction in the Big 12 at the start of the year was that Kansas would win a game. And you accepted that because it was like, they probably won't. That seems <laughs> unlikely. And not only do they do that, they beat Texas, but they, like, they've been okay this year. They're certainly a losing program close. Like taking a step up. Man, they beat Texas. <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> when you say that, I'm just like, what? Um, anyway, uh, group of five, San Diego State clinched the Mountain West by beating San Jose State. Cincy undefeated. Um, they've done nearly everything they can to make a playoff bid. So just the conference championship game stands in their way. They beat East Carolina 35-13. And UTSA's undefeated season comes to an end against North Texas. A very quick going over here of the championship games. Georgia Bama in the SEC, Wake Forest and Pitt in the ACC, in the Pac-12, Oregon, Utah, Michigan and Iowa in the Big Ten, Oklahoma State and Baylor in the early kick in the Big 12. We'll go from best to worst here probably. Houston and Cincy in the American. We've got App State and Louisiana in the Sun Belt. Utah State, San Diego State in the Mountain West. Western Kentucky versus UTSA in Conference USA. And probably don't get too excited about the MAC. Kent State, who are 7-5 and five on the year, are going to take on Northern Illinois, who are 8-4. and four. So, Good. Good. Um, yeah, you know, not winning too many games out of conference. Okay. And last helmet sticker that I want to give out here, uh, that for our nerds out there that are listening to this show, so... Uh, Northwestern, Stanford, Duke, and Vanderbilt. The four of the most prestigious academic schools uh, in the Power Five managed three conference wins between them on the year. So they're hitting the books, which is great, but uh, football is not working out for them so well. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Like, is the gap growing between the... Can you be... Can you be academic and good at sports? It's an interesting one because Stanford historically been quite good. Northwestern last year were quite good. Uh, Duke and Vandy have been dragging the chain for a little while. Yeah. Uh, Aussies in action. Have you got any good news for us on that front? So at the end of the year, I'm kind of just want to give a shout out to three Australians who's finished in the top 10 overall for yards per year, uh, yards per punt on the year. Uh, So we have... The 8, 9, and 10 spots stitched up. We have Austin McNamara at Texas Tech. Fantastic year. Uh, did, did a great job there. Josh Watts at Colorado. And John Haggerty third at Western Kentucky. All having top 10 seasons. Well done, lads. Fantastic work. Uh, hopefully there's some, like, pro... Uh, some... What was it? Like, draft invites, pro days, and an opportunity to potentially take it to the next level if uh, if that is the next step for you. I'm not sure where these guys sit in their classmanship. Classmanship. Okay. Uh, let's get to our gambling section. So, Kiss of Death. Well, this one's pretty easy. Yep, I missed. I dropped one here. UCF, I had to cover. They did not. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, I had Memphis to win by more than six. They won by five. So true to my... I, I got another one wrong. Well done. <laughs> okay, well, that means I can probably do this. Yes, you can. Yeah. On the punt, uh, look, I had LSU $3 underdogs to beat A&M. Nailed that. Well done. 
I had uh, Florida. I easily backed that one. Said that they would win by more than two and a half. They won by three. Well done. <laughs> nice to be on the right side of one every now and then. Then the wheels well and truly came off because I had three favourites in UTSA, undefeated on the year, ten and a half. I've gone and stitched them up. Perfect season. That's my bad. Sorry, Roadrunners. They got done by North Texas, quite convincingly. I had Wyoming, minus 10 against Hawaii. They got smoked by the Rainbow Warriors. <laughs> Not good. And then I had Wisconsin, minus 7. What was it? One win in like 20 years Minnesota had had in this rivalry. And then they go and win this one too. So I've got some sort of talent, my man. I am wasted doing whatever it is that I'm doing. I should just be picking losers because that is my real, real skill set. Uh, so I lost another 80 units there, down 428 on the year now. <laughs> God, yeah, that's a lot of units because I know how much you put down every every it's week. It's not good. So. It's not good. <laughs> um, I uh, what did I do? I went four of nine. So I had Oklahoma State to cover. Got that. Pitt to cover. Syracuse got that. Georgia to beat Georgia Tech by minus thirty five or by thirty five. So I got that. And Wake Forest to cover BC. They did that comfortably. Uh, Miss UCF. Ohio State. I didn't have. Houston couldn't beat up on UConn enough. Virginia lost to Virginia Tech and East Carolina didn't get close enough as a home dog. A couple of takes on this. I think in the future, I would stay away from rivalry weekend because you've got teams that aren't playing for much and it's hard to get a gauge. Like Houston, UConn, for example, Houston Roy is going to win that game. They've got nothing to play for there. They're already in the the American Championship game. They've got no need to go and crush UConn. So I probably should have just put that one on ice. Um, so I think like picking games that are a little bit irrelevant is something to steer away from. However, however, I do not like picking the big matchups of the week. So I don't like picking the Ohio State-Michigan games. I don't like picking Bedlam necessarily, but they're relevant games. So I don't know what to do in this space. I think I may just steer clear in the future. Yeah, okay. I, like I just hear there's probably an opportunity there take the points i know you like uh kind of going with the faves but it sounds yeah. like maybe there's a, a little bit of opportunity to play the other game and yeah and that yeah that may be the case having said that i still went four of nine so it's not like it was like completely one-sided in that space if that makes yeah, sense it's, it's not like it was your 27 of 65 on the year <laughs> what am i on the year now actually? you are 45 of 76 my friend so that's 45 correct 31 incorrect is a better way of putting that 45 of say that again i need to check my 45 here. of 76 45, 45 of 76, right 31 which gives roll. me a percentage of 59 Ooh. which means i'm probably going to need to do some damage in bowl season to get this up above the 60 percent but i believe in you i believe in you I'd, um, yeah, wow, that's taking me, taking me back a little bit. Anyway, let us close this show out because in the long shot segment, I had East Carolina, they didn't go close. Uh, I wanted Auburn and that wouldn't have mattered anyways. Uh, I ended up going Missouri over Arkansas and I don't even think we touched on that, but it didn't happen. Uh, I did mention it, I think. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of our week 13 recap. We have got conference championship games to go. Hopefully we don't fade down the stretch here, um, which is something that Wisconsin are doing. So hopefully we can stay and actually get our game cleaner as well. So I, do I am Ant. I'm, I'm well and truly. You might pack it in with uh, your mob. Are they going to a bowl game? Where did you guys finish? Of course we are. We're going you to the 
play like toilet a UCLA. Bowl. I think we're going to the toilet bowl. <laughs> but I'm I'm still very much involved and keen and excited. Oh, I'm keen. I'm keen and excited as well. I'm probably more so from a who's going to lead this program standpoint. But um, we'll get to that as more information arises. And the coaching carousel is exciting to me. I do like that part of it as well. Um, but that does bring some teams' seasons to an end and our regular season to an end as well. We will be back for conference previews on Wednesday. Um, now, before these ants completely just move in to the uh, studio here, I will say goodbye uh, on behalf of that guy over there. Thank you very much for joining us. My name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time. I spent a 